Welcome to the Nurse Shark Academy Show, a Baxter Professional Services production. Welcome to the Nurse Shark Academy Show, where we're experts in nursing and experts in business. I'm Tina Baxter, and I'm your host. Our mission at the Nurse Shark Academy is to expand the consciousness of nurses as experts to reflect their individual and collective power by promoting self-agency through inspiring nurses to dream big, reach far, and soar to new heights in business and the profession of nursing, thereby producing a healthier and richer society. The Nurse Shark Academy show highlights nurse business owners and others in the healthcare field who promote entrepreneurship. We interview nurse leaders and encourage them to tell their story. Join us and support these wonderful nurse entrepreneurs and leaders. Today's episode, we're happy to welcome Katie Harris, CEO and owner of Nursepreneurs. Dr. Harris is the Nursepreneur mentor who has empowered thousands of nurses in business to monetize their knowledge and skills while inspiring them to change the way healthcare is perceived and delivered. Welcome to the show, Dr. Harris. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm Tina Baxter, and I'm the host. This is a Nurse Shark Academy show where we talk about everything nursing, everything business. We are experts in nursing and experts in business, and we're glad to have with us today Katie Harris, who is the CEO and owner of Nursepreneurs. Uh, Katie has been featured on ABC News, CBC, NBC, Fox, and Huffington Post. Welcome to our show, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Now, can you tell me a little bit about more about yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've been a, a nurse for, oh my gosh, like 25 years, somewhere around there. I worked uh, neurocritical care was my passion. Uh, it was like the one area in nursing that I said I would never go into. <laughs> I remember <laughs> when I was about to graduate nursing school, I'm like, I'm never working nights and I'm never working neuro. And uh, as the universe would have it, my first job, uh, I moved halfway across the country to South Texas uh, it was a night on the neuro floor. So there you go. <laughs> but it was never going to be the same ever again, because then after that, like I went, I wanted to go to the ICU and the only opening was neuro ICU. So I ended up going there. And once you're a neuro nurse, like uh, you get pigeonholed, you know, because everybody's afraid of neuro. So I just kept going with it. And eventually I loved it. And uh, it served me very, very well. I was able to really um, get in with the residents, learn a whole bunch of different avenues. I did outpatient, I did OR, I did ICU, ED, whatever, um, whatever they needed. I was there. I could, you know, I just loved figuring it out. And it was such a steep learning curve. It was so much fun. Um, and uh, yeah, then I hit kind of a ceiling after a certain amount of time and started looking for other exciting opportunities where I could grow and, and uh, flourish, I guess. I, I know that about being pigeonholed because I'm a psych nurse. And so oh. if you're in psych, it's like, they don't think you can do anything else. Right. <laughs> it's the same thing. We're a psych, it's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds great. So how did you decide to go into nursing? What made you decide to become a nurse? Uh, honestly, um, I was 16 and I was all over the place. I was like, I'm going to be a judge. I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And then one day I had a dream overnight and I woke up and I said, I'm going to be a nurse. And both my parents were like, no, let's keep moving. And I'm like, nope. I was absolutely resolute. There was no changing my mind. I never looked back and it was one of the greatest things I ever I did. It was, you know, it's been the best choice. 
<laughs> See, I had the opposite happen. I had a nightmare and I knew I didn't want to go into medicine. <laughs> and that's why I chose nursing. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, pre-med, took the MCAT twice. That's how close I was and could not pull the trigger. And I kept having this nightmare of men in white coats coming to drag me to a classroom and chaining me to the desk to study. And it was like all the joy was taken out of it. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't do it. And so I said, well, I better figure out something. So I got a job in a nursing home as a nursing assistant and saw what the nurses did and said, I want to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I do feel bad with med students because the med students are chained to the desk and, you know, they're studying all this stuff that they're actually never going to use, which is ironic. And then they come out and they, you know, well, I'm not going to pick on med students. I love med students, but, um, yes. you know, yeah, nursing is very people oriented. <laughs> exactly. And I, and that's where I think I found my, my calling. So you spent a lot of time in neuro. How did that impact you as far as um, your day-to-day -day with your life? How did you, you know, because nursing is such a field that we see so much, are exposed to so much, and sometimes it kind of impacts us on, you know, in our day-to-day -day life with our families, uh, especially like for me, you know, being a psychiatric nurse, I, I have people come up to me to tell me all their problems <laughs> all the time. As soon as they find out what you do, they're like, hey, let me tell you about what happened to me. So, I mean, so how did that impact you with your family? And because I know you said your, your parents didn't think you were going to make it, but you did. Yeah. Um, so my dad had these visions of me going into actuarial science. And I don't know if he had just read an article in Newsweek about it or something, but I didn't even know what actuarial science was until a couple of years ago when I went and bought life insurance. And I was like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't have worked out at all. <laughs> I'm not a number cruncher. Um, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, the um, oh, my gosh, Tina, I just forgot your question. Um, what did you just ask? How, me? how did nursing impact you in your day-to-day, everyday, non-nursing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what I was going to say. I learned early on that the one thing not to do was come home and tell stories, right? So especially from the neuro ICU, because you do start to develop a morbid sense of humor, just, to, and part of it's dealing with it, because you see a lot of death, a lot of dying, a lot of grief, a lot of whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there has to be something in the day that you can take away. Uh, and I remember when I was uh, in South Texas, I had this one patient, it was not a neuro patient, I, I got floated to the med surge floor or something, and it was this woman, and she was going to have a hysterectomy. And she's sitting in bed and all of a sudden, and I'm like a, a new nurse, like, I don't know, a couple weeks old or whatever. Um, she stands up and this thing just like falls out of her. And it was, she's like, oh, excuse me. And she picked it up. It was attached to her and shoved it back up. And I was like, what was that? And it was apparently she had a prolapse uterus and it kept falling out. Oh, <laughs> Well, I thought this was the funniest thing in the world, right? So, but I go home and tell the story uh, to my my family, and they were like horrified. And that was like one of the benign stories that I still think is kind of funny, but it's, it was a benign story that they were so offended by. I was like, oh, okay, well, I won't tell you the neuro stories then. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, you know, they ask you, hey, how was your day? And sometimes we forget that non-medical people, uh, particularly over dinner, maybe you shouldn't tell them about, oh, yeah, there was a really cool autopsy today, and this is what I saw. And I would come home when I worked in the lab, and I would tell my parents this, and, you know, <laughs> during dinner. <laughs> So yeah, no, it's uh, it was. You have to keep those stories, I think, within uh, you know at lunch or dinner with your fellow nurses. <laughs> Which is great. There, there are support groups out there for us. We need it. exactly. So, are you still practicing clinically, or are you moved away from the bedside, or? So I was practicing, I, I kept my foot in it for the longest time because I, I still had that kind of, um, I don't know, feeling like if you weren't working clinical practice, somehow you weren't a nurse type of thing. Um, though I will tell you, so because I've had, I have multiple degrees, like master's degrees to doctorate and stuff. And But every time I moved up in nursing. So when I went from an RN to an NP role, right? I took a pay cut. Like I took a 20%, 30% pay cut. When I went from like an NP to academic professor with my PhD, I take an even deeper cut. It was like 30%. So I always had to keep the clinical practice. So when I was an NP, I, I per, did per diem as a nurse. And as an academic, I had to do per diem as an NP uh, just to supplement that 30% cut. Um, every time I felt like I was, thought I was moving up and I, I guess not, but um and when I uh, started the business, there was always that kind of angst and like, oh my gosh, like I, it was really just hemorrhaging money in the beginning, the first, especially a couple of years. And the learning curve was so steep that I, I and I was a little bit addicted to courses and I was um, hiding somewhat behind the courses. So I'm like, well, I have to learn this and I have to learn this and I have to, I'll take this $1,000 course and this 1000 So I needed the clinical job to support my addiction to courses. And, uh, you know, so I had to keep it for a while, but then when COVID hit, uh, I was, had reduced my hours to just being one call for the OR. Uh, it, I did uh, neurosurgery cases with my surgeons and when COVID hit, um, I, I don't know, it just, oh, it sucked the fun out of everything. Uh, and then my very last case, they called me in at 11 o'clock at night for an aneurysm case, that's a 12, that was a 12 hour case. And I left and I was like, you know, I'm a single mom. My, my son was home um, with our au pair, but I was like, I, I'm, I'm done. I, can't, I just, I can't, I can't work academics, run the business and do 12 hour aneurysm cases. It's, it's um, so I, yeah, I, that was when I, I quit in August, 2020, the clinical job. And so are you still teaching academically? Yes. Yes. I teach leadership at the, the local university. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah. So what I want our listeners to understand is that you can transition. It doesn't have to be a hard stop and you jump into your business and you can transition slowly into ramping up your business and going all in. And I want to say that uh, I understand that addiction to taking courses. <laughs> <laughs> A fellow addict. <laughs> yes, yes. I made that hard decision this year that I was going to stick with two masterminds that I'm in, and that's it. Yeah. And so anybody else that comes along, very nice to know you, but I'm not doing that, you know, as I climb the ladder, as they say. And so we have to make those decisions. And so that's what I, I hear you saying that, you know, sometime you got to actually do the work, right? Right. 
Yeah. And I was doing, I was doing a ton of work. So, uh, you know, and I had started in early 2016 and I took all these courses, I took all these courses and it, you know, I finally had worked on this one webinar for so long that there literally was not one more thing to do for this webinar except launch it. So I finally launched it and, uh, you know, I got four people to sign up for this class and I was devastated. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, where's my, you know, I had just spent $20,000 to make 2000. Right? Um, uh, you know, this is, this math is not going to work out. Um, but I had run like, I don't know, $100 in Facebook ads, got several hundred nurses to sign up for the webinar. What I didn't realize was that I needed to keep, you know, nurturing those people that were on my email list. And that four people uh, signing up for the course was actually like a really positive sign. And that was something that I did learn in a mastermind later. Cause like, they were really excited. I was in tears and they're like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was a disaster. Um, but so there, there's that kind of perspective to look at too, because I, I think you get these messages that everybody's having like seven, eight figure launches. Um, yes. and if you make one sale somehow that's a failure. And, and now I realize that that first sale is like, the most celebratory moment. It's like, you know, you, you had a message that resonated. And that's important to know that, you know, starting out, you may not see that return on your investment. It may take time to build an audience and build your email list and, and do all the back behind the scenes work that we don't like to do. Right. right. And so you said you worked on this webinar for a long time. What was keeping you from launching? I, yeah, I was just, um, I was afraid somebody might buy it. <laughs> <laughs> there was this like fear, right? Like I can give out free advice all day and just tell you, I think this, I think that, blah, blah, blah. But when somebody actually pays you for that advice, all of a sudden there's this responsibility and this burden that comes with it. Now I, I felt like responsible for them to be successful. And that's also another huge problem, I think, with, with courses and, and designing programs for people. Like you can't be responsible for people's success. I mean, you can give them the keys, you can show them how, what worked for you, but you can't force things to work for other people. No, and and that's important because anytime someone enrolls in a course, I mean, how many times have I signed up for a course, full disclosure, and never actually complete the course? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I've absolutely done that but I've also had people come back like a year later and they're like yeah I didn't use the chorus can I have a refund and I'm like no <laughs> you know no. No. <laughs> you go to dinner and then say well I didn't really like my my food can I have my money back a month later you know yeah after it's been digested in <laughs> well and that's an important piece because for our business owners that are listening, make sure you put those terms of conditions in there and those uh, re, uh, those policies that say what refunds are going to be and how you get your refund and if there's a refund available, let them know that up front and that way they have that option to buy or not buy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the one thing I would say, Tina, too, is that um, courses are, they can be very difficult to sell, especially if you don't have an audience, um, because if, if people don't know who you are, um, you know, it's, I mean, you have to have some really, really good marketing uh, to sell courses if you don't have an audience already. It's much easier to serve that, you know, to sell your 
kind of higher end um, consulting or, um, you know, that coaching than it is to sell mass numbers of courses. Yeah. And it's important to know, you know, where you want to start with, with your business. And so how did you come up with the uh, nursepreneurs? Uh, well, the idea was originally, so I was at the time I was working for Walmart and uh, my position was to uh, recruit nurse practitioners into the clinics that we had. So we had um, 18 clinics down South there in Texas, Georgia, South Carolina. So we needed nurse practitioners to staff those clinics. Uh, they asked me to come on as uh, the senior management for talent acquisition. So I went around to nurse practitioner groups. I met with the Texas nurse practitioners, the South Carolina nurse practitioners, Georgia, whatever, um, and uh, really got to know them. Um, and part of my team, there was another as a recruiter uh, for Walmart, part of our team was the optometrist because they, Walmart does heavy marketing for optometrist yeah. and I found this website that was called um, I think it was the OD life for you know for optometry and I was like oh that's kind of cool so my original intent was to create a space like a community for nurse practitioners so I'm like I'm going to steal that so I called it the NP life uh, but then as the business kind of evolved with what I was going to do um, i it was no longer just nurse practitioners. I wanted it to be nurses as well, but the NP life, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just um, ops nurses out. If you're not an NP, then it doesn't make right. sense to join the NP life. So I was like, at the time, and it now in retrospect seems ridiculous. I didn't want to rebrand because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, I put all this effort into this logo and this and that and the other thing. Uh, it's going to be too big of a deal to rebrand. Uh, maybe I had a dozen, <laughs> I don't know, handouts that nobody looked at that had this logo on it. So I was trying to force, like, what could I call like nurse and then, you know, a nurse entrepreneur. And then it just kind of like was nursepreneur. I'm like, oh, that fits NP life. So, it, you know, and that's, uh, it sounds kind of a corny lame story, but that's um, essentially how I came up with that name. Well, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it used. And uh, I think I actually, did you write a book? I have several books out there. Some of them are marketing. Some of them are nurse practitioner books. And some of them are um, more. I think, I think I had one of your books, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I think I bought one of your books when I was first starting out. Um and looking to see what's out there on Amazon, I started buying books that other nurses were writing because I wanted to know what they were writing about. Oh, right. I yeah, I was going to say. Your book. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a while ago. But yeah, I, it, it's, it's quite interesting because um, when I first started, I didn't know Nursepreneur had been copyrighted or trademarked and a very good friend of mine who's a, a an attorney um said can't use that <laughs> it's trademarked <laughs> which made me think okay well I've got and that that made me think about my own entrepreneurial journey and making sure that my logo and everything was trademarked was yeah. because of that story and I remembered that and I said oh shoot I thought it was just a generic term but it's not and so that's what's important to know as well is that when you have these great moments and you think of things make sure you do your due diligence and uh, and uh, that it's not taken and if you can trademark it do so yeah i actually have a, a similar story not uh, for myself but one of my students 
she was uh, she had she was working with cancer patients and she wanted to work with cancer patients. That's what, what her thing was. And she was stuck on a name and we could not move forward. This, we went over this for months. We kept going over our names and I'm like, oh, my God, just pick a freaking name. So she finally picks a name and it's Cancer Simplified. And she loves this name. She's so excited. She goes out in this branding frenzy, does all this branding. And then she listens to one of my videos about trademarks and she's like, oh, let me just go on. So she goes on to USPTO, looks it up. Not only is that name trademarked, but it's trademarked by a trademark lawyer. <laughs> right? yeah. And she's like, can I still use it? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not if you ever want it to become something, you know, don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Just let it go but it was like devastating like she didn't it took a long time for her to recover from the loss of that name so i try and get people to pick a name go with it you know it's like you're the first house that you lose out on you know and you're like oh well, i'm supposed to live there forever and then i lost it and it's the same thing with names but you know honestly the name isn't that important i mean it, it's great if you can come up with something clever and, and whatever but to be honest like i mean our real name is the np life and nobody knows it <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's the same way um, with Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? We now know it as KFC. Yeah. But it was Kentucky Fried Chicken when I was growing up, and I could remember the bucket and everything in the kernel, and they've they've changed his branding, his logo over the years. Um, the same with Ronald McDonald. Mm -hmm. McDonald's has changed that branding and logo, and now they're just McDonald's, and they're not the Ronald McDonald. You know, all these different things that we do, and so I think that – um, as business owners, sometimes we need that freshening up yeah. um, and to go back and look at our branding and look at our logo and and see if there's something that needs to change. And just a little tweak can catch somebody's eye. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think the branding is, you know, it's definitely uh, it carry it does carry weight uh, for sure. Um but, you know, I, I do have a lot of students that get stuck on the naming. And I don't know if you have the same problem, but I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, it's been six weeks. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I struggled uh, to, to name the Nurse Shark Academy. Baxter Professional Services was easy because that's my name. Right. <laughs> that was easy. With the Nurse Shark Academy, I was just, I knew I wanted nurse in there, but I didn't know how. And I knew I wanted to talk about business, but I didn't know how to express that because a lot of the names have been taken. But that's when I I was watching Shark Tank and it just clicked. I was like, oh, a shark expert in their field. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it it's quirky enough that people are like, what is that? And right. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I get that all the time. Wait, what is that? What is that about? <laughs> and I even I even have a cape. <laughs> my, I have a cape. My my one of the things that I uh, talk about are nurses as being heroes and superheroes and being the superhero in your own journey. And so I have a cape with a big nurse shark on it because I want nurses to know that they're going on their epic journey with their career. So that's how everything I have has a theme. So <laughs> Awesome. I always tell my students, there's a method to my madness. I'm telling you. There really is. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, it's important not to get stuck on the name. And if you find that the name doesn't work, you can always change it. Yes. You yep. can always change it. 
So what made you decide to be an entrepreneur? I mean, you've done the thing, you've been an NP, you've worked in academia. I mean, you've done all the things, right? So what made you decide entrepreneurship was the way to go? Uh, I just, I always need something to work on. And I had a habit of starting up businesses and then letting them go, right? So, uh, you know, I would come up with this great idea, this, oh my gosh, moment, um, write everything down. I have like notebooks probably out the wazoo of, of ideas and stuff. And then I would go out and build a website and do this and do that. And then, you know, I'd get to a block and I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. And I did that so many times, but I loved the process of thinking the ideas. Like I always loved doing that. And, uh, you know, to be honest, the, the one time I came, when I did finally come up with Nursepreneurs, um, my brother uh, was like, oh, he just made this offhanded, off the cuff remark. He's like, I wonder how long you're going to uh, work with this until you, before you give up. And it really pissed me off. I was really mad. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, that's so rude. How, how can you say something like that? But if you look at my track record, like I had started an IV hydration business before it was popular. This is like 2013. And uh, I even bought like 10,000 brochures because I was going to go out and deliver these brochures. And I built a website and I had rack cards. I don't know if you know what 10,000 brochures look like, but they mailed them to my house and there were literally 20 boxes, mm -hmm. huge boxes outside. And UPS, I live in Philadelphia in Center City. UPS just left them on my doorstep. I came home and there were literally 20 boxes, huge. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I had to like haul them all into my house. And I maybe handed out like 10 brochures before I decided that uh, nobody wanted IV hydration. It was a stupid idea. So, uh, you know, hard lessons. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so I was really determined to see something through and I'm still determined to see something through. It's just that the business, what it is now, uh, it I keep going down different rabbit holes with it. Um, you know, I, it, at first it was like, how do I, how do I get all these businesses set up and help nurses to to do what it is that they want to do? So the first answer was, let me pair up with other nurses who've actually done this, uh, and then uh, you know, give them free stuff and and talk about how they can do this. And then um, then it was like, okay, well, now they need websites. So okay, let's build websites. And I, oh my God, you know, talk about a rabbit hole. Um, it you know, I probably spent about two hundred thousand dollars just learning how to do websites and making a crap ton of mistakes with it. Um, and it was, that was a nightmare, but we, we do have a process for that. And the latest one has just been marketing. Now they have their website, they have their business up. Now they want marketing. And I'm in um, this rabbit hole of like, how do I make this affordable, easy? And uh, you know, it, it's been another um, extremely <laughs> expensive investment in learning this process. So that's, that's where we are now. And I have to say, you know, even though we're both business coaches, right, we still have coaches, we still take courses, we still are learning our craft and getting better every time and learning new things. So I just built um, our website, um, just figured out how to do podcasting. <laughs> and with all that, I started adding in other things. And um, because my, my philosophy is I want to learn how to do this stuff. So then once I learn it, I can teach you. Right. And, um, and when I'm ready to outsource it, then I can tell people exactly what I want. My very first website, I just 
hired somebody. He was from uh, across the pond in the UK, threw something up there, and yeah, it was awful. It was so bad. I wouldn't send anybody to it. Right. I sent to our Facebook page, <laughs> not our website. And that was a professional website I was using for attorneys because I'm a legal nurse consultant. And so I thought, I've got to get a better website. But I didn't want to do that until I understood the branding. And I actually hired a branding coach to help me rebrand that legal nurse consulting business. And once I did that, we redid the website and a whole lot of other things that happened. And it was, you know, it made things go a lot better for us. And so now I can say, I'll just go to the website. Right. You, know, if you, you want to send me something, you, it's all there on the website. And it's nice to be able to do that. And it was a big investment. Yes. It was a big investment to get this website up and running to the where I wanted it to be. So you're talking probably, I think I spent like $10,000 on the on just the website yes. build and design not the branding because that was a whole separate thing and that's what people don't understand the branding isn't just making your logo right. it's a whole lot of other stuff that goes with that and that's why i hired a branding coach because you know nurses we don't know anything about branding they don't teach us this in nursing school in right. fact they don't teach us how to market ourselves at all in nursing school um but yet we need to learn those skills because we kind of do that every day. And I think that would lend ourselves as nurses to being out there um, in, in the boardroom and, you know, talking to the media. They need more nurses and we need to, you know, make our voices heard. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, tell me what's new. What's what's on your horizon? What are you working towards now? Uh, so the, the, the thing that we're really focused on, or I'm really focused on, is, is this marketing piece um, of how, how do we get leads for the business? How do we convert those leads? How do we do it organically? How do we get them, um, you know, with Facebook? I mean, I have, and to your point, like all of this stuff is, is very expensive. And my, my media buyers, um, I mean, they're, they're expensive. They're not cheap. Like I, the guy I have now is like a couple thousand dollars a month, which is sticker shock for people that are in, you know, startup mode. But I had, you know, a media buyer before that was like $10,000 a month. And I got quickly got rid of them because they weren't nearly as good as the, <laughs> the cheaper media buyers, ironically, but, um, and it was just too much. Like, I mean, that's one piece too, is, is teaching people about how much, to spend on marketing. Um, it's, it's been a, a fog, a, a cloud and uh, for me at least. Um, so that's where we are now is just trying to make organic and paid leads, convert them into um, clients for our clients, but you know, it's in a completely different niche. So we're looking at med spas, IV hydration, nurse coaches, concierge nurses and stuff. So it's a much different audience than what I'm marketing to. So it's it's learning all of that um, components and how to put it together and not overwhelm that nurse because it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot in one package. And it's, yes. you know, I think some things you just have to, you know, there's just going to be, you're just going to bump around for a while um, with, in your learning curve. And there's there's not too many good ways to avoid that. I my eyes used to glaze over every time I went to a marketing training. They're talking about, you need to build a funnel. Uh, 
And it took me a while to understand what a funnel even was. And that's been my frustration with a lot of coaches is that they don't give you straight answers. I'm like, tell me what the thing is and how to do it. That's what I want to know. And so I I did get with someone who can explain it to me very simply what a funnel was and how they worked. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, that kind of stuff pissed me off too. Like the Russell Brunson stuff, like you're just one funnel away from a million dollars. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to have the offer first, right? Like you you put a funnel in and then you make a million dollars. Like that misses the whole point. (laughs) You've got to funnel them to somewhere. Right. You need to know what type of funnel you need. And then, you know, there's things about copy that you need to know what attracts and what doesn't and what turns people off. And so, but these are all skills that you can learn. Right. And for me, I get, I get a kick out of learning new stuff. So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And yeah. which is, it, when I started the podcast, I've been working on it for two years. And I realized when I just went and just did it, I was making it a whole lot harder. Yeah. And it had to be in my head. I thought it was going to be hard. But it's, you know, and certainly there's things you need to learn and it's not easy you know, there's things you have to learn how to do, but what helped me was going on other people's podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then after the show, I say, so tell me, how do you do this? And, and people are really good to share their information other podcasters love to share with uh, people. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, go on other people's shows first, see what it's like to be a guest and learn what, how they get people in, how they, um, um, operate how do they get the information out you know are they good about following up with you at the end and giving you the marketing material so you can promote the podcast so I learned those tricks by hanging around other podcasters right yeah so, yeah yeah absolutely but yeah, you know and I'll say too that uh, sometimes we have because we interview uh, nurses in business and uh, sometimes we do have trouble getting nurses on because they're like afraid to come on the podcast. And the one I had one nurse who's like, is this a scam? I'm like, it's not a scam. We're just want to hear your story. <laughs> so it was it's a completely foreign concept. And I have to remember that uh, that, in, you know, we were talking about branding before um, one of the. Uh, what I thought was a perk of one of our courses was that we would show you how to do the branding. And I was like, Oh, here's your colors and here's your fonts and this how to choose them. And these are the websites to go to and blah, blah. And I'm like, this is going to be really fun. It was a nightmare. The nurses hated it. They absolutely hated it. They're like, can you just do it for us? So, you know, my, my team ended up putting together like 150 different brand boards, which was a little outrageous as well. But uh, another one of the mistakes that we made just going a little overboard on, on that, but um, yeah, it's what I thought was fun. Um, and, and, you know, learning how to do certain things isn't always fun for everybody. But <laughs> I'm very surprised at even business owners that we talk to that have never been on a podcast and never, no one's ever asked them their story. Right. And so they're a little nervous and hesitant about talking about what they're doing and I've met nurses that absolutely refuse they have a business but they absolutely refuse to be on social media Mm -hmm. how do you combat that 
that fear when you're working with the nurses that work with you? Um, so, I mean, we do try and encourage them. And I, I do have some nurses that just gravitate more naturally to, to podcast and doing that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, I have, like, I had this one nurse who started an IV hydration business and was just kind of waiting for people to come, I, I don't know, to his apartment. <laughs> I don't know what the thought process was. <laughs> uh, like, you have to go out and meet people. Like, you have to tell people you have a bit, you have to get a, get a brochure, hand it out to people. I'm like, that's the only way. And he did eventually. He was really excited because he uh, just got his first kind of gig um, with a, a local business. And he was really excited about it. I'm like, see, you just, you just have to go out. You just have to, you know, have you can be afraid but you need to do it anyway and um you know i had the same thing when i started my concierge nurse business uh i remember i plotted out all of the different offices that i was going to go to and i would get to um you know the parking lot of that office and i would find 800 reasons not to go in and it took me more time to sit there and think about why i shouldn't go in as opposed to just walk in and hand the brochures. And it was so ridiculous. Um, I mean, I actually ended up hiring somebody to do it for me because I, I couldn't, you know, I'm just, I was a nervous Nelly. <laughs> so. A, a few years ago, um, right when I was launching Baxter Professional Services, I realized I didn't really talk to people. <laughs> I just went into my office and did the thing. And I, I looked up and I'm like, I have no one to talk to other than my husband. Right. And so I thought I'm going to have to get out there and let people know who I am. And I was terrified. So I found one group online. Um, it happened to be a women's group and they would meet for breakfast once a month. And I would go to those breakfast meetings. And my goal at those breakfast meetings was to talk to two people and find out what they did. That was it. Once I did that and had my French toast, I can go home. <laughs> and it became easier and easier as, as I started talking to people. Now I talk to people all the time and, you know, I've talked to people all over the world now. But I never would have been able to do that uh, several years ago. And people don't believe me when I say I truly am an introvert. Mm -hmm. I just had to learn how to be an extrovert. So once I get done doing all this type of stuff, I have to take some time off to by myself in a quarter and recover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm very introverted too. I need a lot of like me space. And I, I blocked off my morning you know, so I am like, don't put any meetings. I just, I just need to be by myself in the morning. I need to think. I just need to, you know, decompress or whatever. And even at the end of the day, I'm like nothing, you know, in the evenings. I just, <laughs> so no meetings. So, but. I, I was one of those people that wouldn't answer the phone. No, I, don't, and, I never answer the phone. And I think that part of that was having been a nurse in the hospital, you learn don't answer the phone. That's usually them tricking you to come into work. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So I'll tell you just even a worse story. I mean, this is how bad I was. Like, um, I I remember answering the phone one time and it was a sales guy and he was selling some like ridiculously expensive course online, how to make money off of eBay or something like this is like 2010 or something. And um, I wanted him, I wanted so bad for him to feel like he did a good job. And I don't know why. Um, so I bought the program 
Um, and I was, I hung up and I was so upset that I bought this program because one, I didn't need it. And two, it was really expensive, more money than I, at that time had ever spent. And, um, you know, I was just like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> I mean, I'm the type of person that if we're in, you could tell me ice in the Arctic, I would just, cause I want you to feel good. Uh, and I'm like, you have some serious money issues. Uh, I, had, I did refund it. Uh, and it, that was even more embarrassing to have to go back and do that. But, um, you know, ever since then, I'm like, I'm never going to answer the phone. And that's really pathetic, too. <laughs> but I just do not answer the phone. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, I, I had to get over my fear of opening mail and answering the phone. <laughs> what I discovered is that learning how to say, no or not yet yes. um, I struggle I still struggle with that because I get people uh, messaging me on LinkedIn all the time hey I want to talk to you and get to know you and by the way I, I do this and this and this and I can fix your website and you know and I'm like I don't know you <laughs> <laughs> um, no <laughs> and I'm a little bit better about saying no because now I can say yes to something else that I really want to do. And when I made that shift in my mind, um, it's like, okay, I can say no to that. So I can say yes to, to me. Right. And that's how I look at it. And it's not, doesn't mean that I'm rejecting you personally, you know, right. I'm not rejecting yeah. you personally. And so for our listeners, if someone says no to you, to your product, what service, whatever, you, they're not rejecting you personally. And sometimes it's not no forever. It just may be not yet or not right now. Right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, one of my one of my coaches early on had taught us that was no just meant um either not yet, or they didn't understand, like you didn't present it in a way that benefits them. Like, how is this really going to help them? And can they see what it is that you're trying to do? Because either they don't believe you, or, you know, they're, they're just not hearing what they need to hear. And that's where you're, like you said, the copywriting and the messaging comes in. Yeah. And, and sometimes I find that it's not that they don't believe you, they don't believe in themselves. They don't think they can do the same thing. I, I talk to nurses a lot that have um, self-esteem issues, for, for lack of a better term. Of You know, you hear them say, I'm just a nurse. And I'm like, you're not just anything. You are a just nurse, meaning that you operate in justice and integrity and all those things. But you're not just a nurse. I mean, you pass those NCLEX unless you, you know, came from Florida, but you pass those NCLEXs, right? <laughs> and so you have just as much as anyone else and just as much right to whatever it is that you want, like everyone else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, I know you said here that you had something for our listeners. Um, you had a promotion for us. You want to tell us about it? Sure. Yeah, uh, we, uh, you know, I wrote this guide uh, called the uh, Nursepreneur's Blueprint, which was, you know, the four phases of going from, you know, basically zero to 100K and, and what that journey uh, looks like. And obviously, everybody's journey is going to be different. But there are some, 
you know, similarities in, in what people go through and, and what they need to do to hit those different milestones. So we do have that guide uh, for your listeners, um, which uh, I believe they can get at nursepreneurs.com slash blueprint. Okay, that sounds great. So, um, and is that also where they can contact you if they want to learn more about what you do and be a part of your program? Yes, uh, they can go to nursepreneurs.com and we even have a fancy widget now because I'm into widgets and chats and, and that kind of crap. So you can book appointments with the team, you can send messages and we all get them on our phone. So um, we're pretty quick with responding as well. Great. Great. So that's nursepreneurs.com and you can uh, meet with Katie there. Anything else that you want to add before we go? No, just, uh, you know, if you have an idea and, and uh, you want to pursue your options, um, just go for it, you know, jump in um, and, you know, there's so many possibilities of things that you can do and it's, it's scary for everybody at the start, but, you know, for, I always tell my son, you know, courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. So, so lastly, if there's one piece of advice that you would have for a budding nurse entrepreneur, what would it be? Uh, yeah, it would be that. It, and to get, uh, to find people that have done what it is that you want to do. Cause I think that's really, really important. Uh, there's a lot of coaches out there, um, you know, get to know some of them. Uh, you will resonate with some, you won't resonate with others and it's all good. Uh, but you want to be able to work with somebody who really um, has done what it is that you want to do um, so that you can follow their path. And if you like them and, and you want to work with them, that would be the person I would go after. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you, uh, Katie Harris, CEO and owner of Nursepreneurs. This is the Nurse Shark Academy. I want to thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, there's available on Podbean and other places where you get your podcasts. And don't forget our YouTube channel where you can watch the video there. Uh, thank you for your time. And I want to say good night and thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Nurse Shark Academy show wherever you get your podcasts or watching us on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification bell so that you'll know when all of our episodes come out. If you want further information, you can contact us on the nurse shark academy.biz.